We've been in the ultimate fixer-upper over the past weeks with Pastor Robbie with Ezra. Last week we were in Esther, and I know you're excited about what's next, and Nehemiah and the building of the wall there. Um, I would like to call today's message, um, if it had a subtitle, this would be the halftime of the ultimate fixer-upper. This is the intermission, if you will, uh, between the two where Pastor Robbie turns to the book of Nehemiah. And So if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7 as we stand together. And we're, going to, we're just going to read a few verses here as we examine what God has to say to us through this very familiar passage, maybe that you even learned as a child through song. We're just going to read in verses 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. It says here, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a crash. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here in your house today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you here in this place in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you for your word. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they haven't built their foundation, found their foundation that being there on the rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, God, I pray that they would do that this very day for it's everlasting too late. For it's your name we pray. Amen. The ultimate fixer-upper, foundations for the future. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I do dumb things. Now, I'm not talking to the ladies, because they got it pretty much under control. But now, us guys, sometimes, as we say here in the South, the old saying is, before somebody goes to the emergency room, is, hey, y'all, watch this. Well, I was cleaning out gutters this spring at my house, and I've got a really steep roof. So it's kind of interesting, Jeremy, of you being a roofer leading us in worship. Maybe you can give me some tips on how not to allow this to happen again. So I was, do I? Hire somebody. So I, I had my ladder up on the, on the gutters, and I had them all cleaned out. But then I had some valleys on some dog houses, what we call them here in the south. They had a little bit of pine straw in them, and I'm trying to blow it with my blower, trying to get it to turn loose so I can clean that off too. Well, it was stuck. So I thought about it, and I thought about it, continued to clean the gutters out, continued to work on all that, and I thought, boy, that pine straw looks bad on those valleys. i got to get that off. Well, I went into my daughter's room and I, where one of the dog houses are, and she had a window out the front of that dog house. And I thought, you know, that pine straw can't be any more than just if I could just reach around, I bet I could get it. So I opened that window, stuck my head out, and looked around, real steep uh, roof there on the house, looked around, and that pine straw was just out of reach. And I thought, you know what? How am I going to do this? I've got to get this pine straw off the top of this house. 
So I saw, you know, I'm in pretty good shape, pretty strong, uh, pretty tough. So I climbed into the window, stuck my head around, still too far. Then I put one foot out of the window, then another foot out of the window, and now I'm holding on to the So then I thought, hey, I can just scoot up there, get it, throw it off the house, and scoot back. So I did, up there, probably like a roofer would do, Jeremy. Up the roof I went, and I got up there, and I threw the pine straw off, and then I turned around, and this is where I made my mistake. Anytime you turn around and look down, you realize that your foundation is not as secure as you thought. On top of that shingle roof, those little granulars that feel like sand are just down into the gutter. And I thought, how in the world am I going to get out of this? Now, I came up it. You know, you start thinking this way. I came up the roof. Surely I can go down. So I started down. I'm grabbing on the side. And how am I going to do this? Well, I sit back and I put my hands down. Now it's getting hot. My hands are burning. My backside's burning. And how in the world am I going to get off the top of this roof? I start praying, Lord, help me. Thank goodness, Joni was at home. So I start yelling, help, help, help. And she finally, one of the kids run out and look up on top of the roof. Daddy, what are you doing up there? I said, I don't know, but if I ever get down, I'm never getting back up here again. So they finally get their mama in there. And she comes out through the window and looks and said, You are crazy. What in the world are you doing up there? I said, I'm so sorry. Just get me down, please. Whatever you got to do. Didn't I tell you we didn't need you to get on top of that roof? Yes, ma'am, you did. I just said, You'll save my life. We'll get down. And so I felt the foundation underneath me slipping away as I was up there. It was hot and it was unstable. And then I said, Go get that cane that we have on the carport and stick it out the window. And when I slide by, I'll grab it. <laughs> and she goes, no way am I going to do that. I said, that's the only way I'm going to live today. It's either that or get the fire department over here. And so she st sticks the cane out, and I start... And I grab the cane. Finally, her arm was there, and I just grabbed her arm. And she saved my life. But when I got inside the house, I was dead meat. Now, my foundation was not secure, Jeremy, on top of those old shingles with that sand sliding underneath me, trying to send me off into the front yard. Now, my mama's going to kill me after we leave today. So, Miss Joni's already killed me. My mama's going to kill me after we leave. But I say all that to say this. Where is your foundations found for the future? We read these scriptures here. Maybe you sang them as a child. Do it with me. Right? Built his house upon the rock. The wise man built. Yeah, do it with me. House upon the rock. Come on now. Wise man built his house upon the rock. Thank you. And the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. And what happened? The house on the rock stood firm. But then the foolish man 
built his house upon the sand. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. Do it with me. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. And then the house on the sand went. You got to say it better than that. Splat! Where is your house? Where is your foundation this morning? Now, when I found myself on top of my roof, my foundation was insecure. My foundation was sandy. Now, that's a physical illustration of a spiritual instruction this morning. Many times we think we got it all figured out until we turn around and look and see what lies before us, that our life could go splat because our foundation wasn't found on the rock. How do we do that this morning? The first thing is we do it through follow-through. It's uh, another word to say obedience. You know, we see that it says here in verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's plain and simple logic, right? God has given us instruction. God has given us His Word. God has even given God's man to stand before us on a weekly basis to instruct us as to what God's Word says. He's given us the opportunity to be in a small group setting to hear and understand what the Word has to say to us. The question is, are we going to follow through? Or are we just going to go through the motions? Will you follow through this morning? So what is God calling you and I to do for His kingdom? And then if you know what that is, and I pray that you are finding out or have found out what that is as a child of His, are you following through? For those of you that haven't become a child of God, I'm not saying any, everybody sitting in a church house this morning is a saved believer. Is God calling you through obedience, to follow through and accept His Son Jesus as your Savior? Is God calling you to follow through in what He has called you and I to do? Jeremy mentioned earlier that God is, uh, is more concerned about obedience than sacrifice. And we'll see in those verses above in 21 through 23 that played out for us. So what about you today? Are your foundations for the future found in you following through? See, Jesus is more concerned about our walk than our talk. Jesus is more concerned about our worship than words that we say on a screen. See, what we do cannot be settled, separated. What we do cannot be separated from what we believe. So are we following through? with what we are reading, listening to, and being encouraged and edified to do as believers? Are we following through with obedience? You say, what do you mean? What, what do you mean when you say following through with obedience? Number one, I've already mentioned it, is to follow Christ. Some today need to follow Christ and allow Him to be the Lord of their life. Some that have already done that need to follow through with believers' baptism. Getting your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Some need to find out what it means to be a church member here at Trinity. How do I become a church member and follow through with that? 
Some need to follow through with obedience in serving God here in this place and outside of this place. Some of us need to follow through in obedience with true worship, not just mechanical habit-forming tradition that we do every time we come here. Some of us need to be obedient what God's called us to do and is commanding us to do in tithing. The tenth that He requires of us. Some of us need to be faithful and obedient in being evangelistic in the places and the platform that God has placed us. Some of us need to follow through, and this one right here is real easy, but how often do you do it? We need to follow through in consistent prayer. Praying without ceasing. Some of us need to be obedient in reading the Scriptures. And not just reading them, allowing them to penetrate our hearts. And then to take that a little bit further, how, how would one follow through with obedience, laying that foundation for the future with honoring Christ with integrity and character? When nobody's looking, do you honor God with your life? When people are watching, do you honor God with your life? Honoring those in authority over you, kids, your parents, adults, that supervisor, that boss. Are you following through in honoring those in authority? Husbands, are you honoring your wife? Being willing to die for her as Christ died for the church. Loving her as Christ loved the church. Wives, are we willing to follow through with obedience in submitting to our husband's spiritual leadership? And kids, what about you? Kids, what about me? Are we honoring our father and our mother? See, this is following through with what God has laid out here in these commandments that we find all throughout. You can look even in here in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching about the way to heaven, teaching about the fruit in people's lives, teaching about what it means to seek and knock. When He teaches us about worry, are we going to trust God that He's going to take care of us? Are we going to be obedient in that? When Jesus teaches about money in the Sermon on the Mount, are we going to be obedient in what God's called us to do with our money? When Jesus teaches us about fasting, you say, fasting? I don't run fast. I mean fasting when it comes to fasting and praying and putting something aside so that you can focus on God. When Jesus teaches about prayer, are we going to follow Follow through and do what God says about prayer. And I can go on and on and on. You go all the way to the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and you'll see where he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do we hunger and thirst for righteousness or are we just going to kind of go through the motions and not follow through? You say, well, that's a lot to keep up with. Well, the summation of the Sermon on the Mount is, again, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are you building your house on the rock? We think about follow through. We think about, um, I, I can't help, Jake, but think about baseball. I can't help but think about a pitcher who it's important for him to follow through, right? The mechanics of that is whether he's going to succeed or not. I can remember as a kid watching Steve Sachs play for the Los Angeles Dodgers and other teams. And I can remember watching Steve Sachs play with my dad, and he said, you know what he used to do when he was first started in the major leagues? 
he couldn't even get it to first base. I said, what do you mean he couldn't get it to first base? He could catch a ground ball. He could come up like he had done thousands of times probably before in his life. And then he would bounce it, overthrow from second base, or just make a mess of it. The year before that, Steve Sachs had been a, an all-star. He had been the NL Rookie of the Year, but now this year, in 1984, he would catch the ground ball and then try to make the throw. There's no telling where it would go. It's called a case of the yips, right? You might know what I'm talking about, golfers. But every time he got ready to throw, he might double clutch or he might make a funny motion and not follow through with his motion to first base. Well, they, they did all of these things as coaches to try to help him to come overcome this follow-through problem. They even took a blindfold and told him, okay, we want you to throw to first base. And he, with a blindfold on, could easily follow through and make a throw to first base with a blindfold on. They'd take the blindfold off, and he'd bounce another one to first base. Made 20-something errors in the month of July that season. Because of his throws. Fans were putting up uh, bullseyes behind the dugout because sometimes he would, throw, he would throw them into the stands. Steve Sachs had a problem with his follow-through. So he goes and visits his ailing father who's on his deathbed. And he said, they're, they're talking just as dads and sons would do, dad and a child would do. And he's like, his dad brings it up. He said, did you ever get over that throw? Can you get it to first base? And he's like, Dad, I'm still struggling. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. You know, last year was a great year, but I can't make a throw. I can't follow through and make it to first base. He was, he was discouraged. And his dad said, well, guess what? I had the same problem you did when I was in high school. I had a hard time making the play, following through to first base. But finally, after some time and some effort, I got over it. And you will too. Steve Zacks left his dad that day, encouraged. Just hours later, his dad died. The next game, Steve Zacks could make the throw to first base. He needed his father's instruction to help him overcome this follow-through problem. He obeyed what his father said, and he was able to follow through with his throw to first base and overcame making those errors. Now, that wasn't to say he wouldn't make an error again, but he got over the yips. Now, later, as his career was over, great MLB career, his mom came to Steve Sachs, and he said, you know that story that you tell about your father? He, he wasn't telling the truth. He lied to you. But he wanted to encourage you, as a father would, to help you so that you could overcome this follow-through problem. Ladies and gentlemen, our Father in Heaven, He's not going to lie to us. If we're willing to be obedient and follow through with what He is calling us to do, the instructions that He gives us in His Word we can count on it. We can bank on it. It's going to be true. It is true. It will always be true. The question is, will we be obedient and trust Him at His Word? 
Are we willing to trust Him like we would even our earthly Father to give us that instruction? Of course we can trust our Heavenly Father. So that leads me to my second point. These foundations for the future are going to be found in faith in God. In other words, we're going to trust Him. Another way, if you want to continue with this F theme, it could be the fear of the Lord. Do you fear the Lord this morning? Do you have faith in God? Do you trust Him? Do you trust God and His plan for your life? See, to build on the rock, a hearing, responding disciple of Jesus Christ is not a phony, a superficial one. No, our foundations on the rock gives us strength to weather the storms of life. The question is, do we trust God? Do we fear the Lord? Do we have faith in God? See, I hope today that you've trusted God for salvation. If anybody can resurrect back to life, He can save us from our sins. If He can heal the blind, raise the dead, cause the mute to speak, do you trust Him to save you? Have you trusted Him for salvation? Do you trust God that He will provide for you? Or do you think you're doing all that on your own? Do you trust God that He's sustaining your life? The heart that pumps, the lungs that are filled with air, and the body that moves... That's nothing that we do. It's what God does. Do you trust Him for life? Do you trust Him to protect you and watch over you? Can we really say that we believe that? See, it's easy for us to be influenced by our culture and just give in to, hey, this is what you should do. But it's harder to obey God and trust Him. It's not going to be easy. But it's the most rewarding thing anyone could ever do. Which one of those honors Him is trusting God. Putting our faith in Him to take care of us. You know, when we think about how we can trust God, I mentioned earlier, have you trusted Him for salvation? When it talks about these storms of life that we find here, as it refers to them, and how the winds blew and the streams rose and the rain came down, but the house that was built on the rock did not fall. It's easy for us to say when things are going our way that we trust God. But what about when it's the death of a loved one? I can remember back losing grandparents as a child. Never will forget it. Turning your world upside down. I thank God for His strength. I think about trusting God when surrendering to the gospel ministry when people would say, your dad's a great preacher. And I would think, that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. But God was saying, be obedient and trust me. I've got a plan for you. Do you trust Him for your plan that He has for your life? I think back to those of you who can remember where you were on 9-11 when terrorism really struck hard this country. How much we trusted God during that tragedy. Do we trust God during tragedy? Uncertainty. I can think about in my own young married life with my wife when we were so excited to tell our family that we were expecting our first child and then a week later, a miscarriage. It's hard to trust God during those storms. And then many of you have walked through 
with my family and have prayed for my father during a tragic event, and I'll be honest with you, a little preacher confession here, it took until I got to the point of ultimate surrender to where I truly trusted him in that situation, during that storm. It was like God said, during this, during this time, being all of these things that you've preached and all these things that you've taught young people, all of these things that you've said the Word of God says and that you believe it and you've encouraged others to, to follow you as you believe it, now it's time for you to believe it and trust God. Because we didn't think He was going to make it. Google can get you in trouble. There's got to be a way that he can live, medically speaking. And the doctor said no, but God said yes. Now, you may be on the other side of that where doctors said no and they didn't make it. Are you trusting God during those times? That was what it took for me to get to that point to say, God, you know what? He's in your hands. He belongs to you anyway. If he lives, to God be the glory. If he dies, to God be the glory. What about you in your life? Do you trust God? And then finally, these foundations for the future, yes, they're going to be found in follow through, this obedience that we have for God's commands. It's going to be found in this faith in God, this trust that we have, this fear that we have for God. And then thirdly, this is the one that gets me excited. Are you today laying those foundations for the future, planning to finish strong? Planning to finish strong. Look with me in verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now look with me in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell you to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So how are you going to finish this morning? What kind of commitment are you going to have? What kind of faithfulness are you going to have in your life? This, this verse right here is a real gut check for a believer. It's definitely a gut check for an unbeliever in the fact that we look at our lives and we find out, is my foundation found on the rock that is Jesus Christ or have I been placing my trust in the things of this world, this sandy world that there's it's much confusion? This culture that says, here's the American dream that you should attain, but then in the end, what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Because you didn't place your foundation and your trust in Jesus and God and His Word. So, will I commit to God and His plan for my life? That's the gut check we have to have for ourselves. This faithfulness. Do we want to live a life of faithfulness? Do we want to plant trees that will provide shade that we will never sit under? In laying those foundations for the future. See, obviously there are those who were unwilling to commit at all to give their lives over 
to God and his foundation and the rock that is his son, Jesus. But here's the one that, are you ready, church, that we're called to do? This is where obedience and trust and this finishing strong all comes together. If you go back and look at these scriptures when it refers to the foolish man, that's not just somebody who rejects the gospel. That's those who don't know, understand, or who haven't heard the gospel. Dads, spiritual leaders of the home, are we finishing strong with those children and pointing them to Jesus, the rock, the foundation that all that matters on the face of this earth? Or are we showing them how to achieve the American dream, make lots of money, be successful, and have lots of toys? Or are we going to finish strong and show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Ladies, are we going to be that Titus 2 woman that we find where it shows the young ladies, this is how you walk with God. This is how you live for God. This is what modesty is. This is what it means to honor God with your life. What about here in God's house? Say, well, all my kids are grown up. They're out of the nursery, they're out of the children's ministry, and they're out of the youth. I'm cruising along now. Or will we finish strong, finish strong, finish strong for the glory of God? See, part of our responsibilities as believers is to help others stop and think about where their lives are headed and to point out the consequences of ignoring Christ's message. Or not even knowing what it is. It was so sad to see, but yet what an opportunity it was in one of our own cities here in the great United States of America, little children who didn't even know who Jesus was. Didn't understand what salvation meant. Didn't know that they were a sinner in need of a Savior. That's all around us. That's even in our own homes, Dad, sometimes. It's in our workplace. It's in the schoolhouse. It's all around us. The question is, men, women of God, will we finish strong? You know, I couldn't help as we sang the cornerstone who that hymn is attributed to Edward Moat. He wrote hundreds, but I like, Jeremy, when I think about this passage here, and I appreciate the Cornerstone song that we sang this morning, but I also can't help but think about the solid rock. If you think about some of the uh, verses there, it says, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Edward Moat, he believed that. He was saved later in life considering his parents owned a pub and he walked the streets and if it wasn't for a stranger he wouldn't have even known who God was but God someone used that person to share God with him and at 18 years of age he prayed to receive Christ became a cabinet maker and it wasn't until he was 55 years old that he surrendered to the call of ministry and for 26 years he faithfully served a church in England 26 years didn't even miss a Sunday, and the church loved him so much because of his faithfulness to God from 55 until his health wouldn't allow him anymore that they said, we want to give you the deed to this church. We want it to be yours. And he said, I don't want 
this building. I want the pulpit so that I might preach the gospel faithfully. And when I don't, turn me out of it and let someone else. He wrote the solid rock. And then you see in the, the last verse, it says, When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Think about that for a second. You go back to those verses in 21, 22, and 23. Has, and, and if you notice the things that are listed here, prophecy in your name, demons, and performing many miracles, there's, those are just charismatic things that can just cause much distraction that are just spiritual religious things that don't mean anything that don't uh, have any basis if the foundation is not found on the rock that is Jesus Christ are we as the church in the United States of America in Madison County Georgia going through the motions doing a bunch of religious stuff and our foundations aren't found on the rock they're found on the sand and when we turn and face God and look at him and we say Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out many demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Is that what he's going to say to us as a church today? Because we have not found our foundation on the rock. We found it on religious activity. We founded it on the American dream. We founded it on things that don't even matter for eternity. And our families... And our co-workers and little children in our schools are going to hell because we were unfaithful and not finishing strong. If that doesn't break your heart, Christian, then have you began your race? It's time for God's people to allow the ultimate fixer-upper, Jesus, to remodel our heart. find our foundations for the future on Jesus and Jesus alone. Not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be hard. But in the end, what do we want? To honor God or to play games at the foot of the cross? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where's your rock this morning? Where do you find your foundation this morning? Let's bow together.